Hey guys, how's it going? Uh, Spurs here from the Never Going Home podcast with First Jugas. Got another episode for you today with Laurie, who you might know as Brighter, an amazing singer, songwriter, acoustic act. And uh, yeah, we just before we kick into today's episode, this was actually recorded a little bit before. <coughs> so, you know, we talk about uh, about Laurie going to fest and, uh, you know, checking things out and going up. But he's obviously back, so just bear that in mind. Still interesting, we talk about loads of stuff. Talk about uh, mental health, songwriting, what music means, family, being a parent, all sorts of cool stuff. So... Just bear that in mind. Uh, a couple of other little reminders for you before we jump into today's episode is hit that subscribe button, it really helps me out. Obviously, starting the channel, really, really rely on people sharing it and liking it and spreading it about and stuff. So if you appreciate any of the stuff we talk about, like mental health, punk rock music, art, anything, just all sorts of stuff. If you appreciate it, give us a little click, give us a little subscribe, share it with your friends. Um, and obviously, We'll be a bit more regular putting uh, episodes up. So that's that. And then the second thing I wanted to say was uh, the Happens Mindsets punk rock documentary project of mine will be going live. Uh, the opening night for that is going to be in the Castle Emporium in Cardiff. Uh, doors are at five. We've got Brighter playing some music at six. And we've got some other talks from other people and there'll be obviously the work on show and it'll just be a fun evening for people to get get together um you know talk hang out listen to some of brighter's new music i think he's got some new music lined up and uh, obviously see the work that i've been working on for the last three or four years which will be traveling around but the first stop will be in cardiff so that's cardiff november the 16th that's this friday 6 p.m Castle Emporium. Hope you enjoyed today's episode. So, um, yeah, like we first met actually, um, when did we first meet? We first met on the Larkle Talk maybe about two years ago. I think it was about two years ago, right? Um, yeah, it's coming up to around. Yeah, it's coming up to around two years ago. About yeah. a year and a half ago, something like that. It was um, Larkhill, Brighter, and Hangman. Mm, doing, we did five. Was it five or six dates around the UK? Yeah. So that was the first time we when we properly met. Yeah. So, and just again, to, for those of you who are listening, if you can hear a baby <laughs> slash sound engineer, <laughs> that's uh, that's Tom, that's Laurie's uh, little boy. And we just we got some pictures of you, didn't we? Yeah. Um, bringing it back. So, <laughs> directing you. Um, how long? Have, so, for people that might not be familiar with you or your music. Um, yeah. Because I like, I try and make this podcast for you know everyone. I don't want to be like an echo chamber, just talking to people that know exactly what we're going to say. So yeah, I'm trying to stretch that net out a little bit. So if yeah, do you want to sort of introduce yourself to people that might not have heard you a little bit about what you do? Um, well, yeah, I've been a I've been a solo musician for going on it's almost is it three, four years now? It might be four years. I thought you'd gone a lot longer. Three years. No, I've been a, only been a soloist for yeah. It's a, I think it's about four years now. I think it's, time has passed by so quickly. With brighter before that, I was in bands and previously did. I was tour managing for a, a period of time as well. Um, so I've been kind of busy, busy in the industry for a long time. But in terms of being a soloist, I've been brighter for yeah. It's around about four years. And originally, I think to be honest, it all. Um, it began as a, a means of getting out 
a lot of stress and pent up stuff through lyrics and music. I was more I was more writing the songs for therapy than I was for kind of actually getting them like, recorded like or yeah yeah yeah. It was more it was literally more of a I was writing the songs for myself and I never really intended to record or get out and tour them even though I came from that background of touring and doing stuff I'd kind of hit a point of, of rock bottom where I'd given up on the idea that my music that my music could be important in some way um, so I was more just writing for myself and it was only really a case of uh, a good friend of mine Matt O'Grady the guy that recorded ended up producing my record like he um heard some of the original demos and encouraged me to to record them properly and get them out properly um, and from that I kind of I focused obviously on touring and now I've been busier in the last four years than I ever was in bands so um, yeah so that's that's what I do I'm a musician a solo musician slash endless talker on stage I tend to talk a lot I almost talk as much on stage as I do play songs. Yeah, I, I, well, that's another thing I was going to sort of move on to is this: you have um, it comes across that you have a very almost like a like play music seems to be for your own cathartic yeah. kind of healing process that kind of thing, but also like the benefit that you get from other people catching on to that and like like spreading that sort of message and helping other people deal with stuff with music yeah. I can see it well, I've seen it when I've been on tour with you and you've played and you've you know you have like a little break between like a couple of songs before the end and you talk to people yeah like, it, 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 it really is important to you so I think because when I was in bands before there was always this big impetus on getting big getting famous being really recognised in the scene making friends etc etc but very much being in bands there always seemed to be this um drive to, to to push and get bigger and and you know do all that kind of stuff and i think because brighter started very organically in a sense of like it was never for that um i think i what i've found is that my focus isn't on getting big with brighter it's not on record sales it's not on money it's not on any of those sort of things um it's not about being recognized in the industry as such even though i have been but it's not about being recognized in the industry it's more I want to like connect with as many people as I can yeah. for the journey of this, you know, this project or whatever you would call it, band, you know, for the journey of Brighter, I want to kind of connect with as many people as I can. And I think that seems to be lacking more and more these yeah. days. That's kind of why I want, that's kind of a bit of the impetus for the sort of, is that the right word? Mm. Like when you start something because of like the reason, always learning. Um, yeah, that was that kind of like connectivity. I'm fascinated with because we're losing it like daily. Like people are just you know human conversations. That's why I wanted to start the podcast just to sit down with a human yeah, being and just talk. Like, but um, it seems to be something we're losing all the time. That human touch, like the connectivity, and like within the punk rock scene. Yeah. Like I say that in a broad sense because obviously it's a huge area and it's different sections and stuff. But yeah, like, yeah. In the punk rock or well, music scenes in general. Um, it seems to be one of the last places where you can actually just turn up and like talk. Yeah. I mean, back in the day, I guess that would be the pub, but nowadays, yeah. I don't know. Like, I, I don't have a I think, I think very much, I mean, there are certain elements, unfortunately, still though, of, of like the music industry, even the music scene. And even, even within the scene that 
like within the punk scene, there can still be some sort of elements where the communication has been a bit lost, and it's more about there's this odd bravado of like almost where the 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 punk rock scene and the hardcore scene used to be the place where you could go and just be whoever you wanted to be and be yeah. completely accepted no matter what. But there seems to be like there have been little weird cliques and stuff that have come about in the last few years. So, like, you can still find so many pockets of the community that literally is like a cool community, but then there's still certain, it's just certain ways that, you know, bands bands and solo artists feel the need to put on a bit of a face still at certain times to, whether it's, whether it's to push forward or whatever, but what's been nice in the last few years is you've got, you've got a lot more people now sort of opening up and being more honest and being like really true about their kind of feelings or their mental health or any kind of stuff like that, and especially with artists now, you've got a lot more kind of breaking down the boundaries of that. And I think you know that's what I've always tried to do with my. I think it's in um, sort of punk rock music in general. Oh, he's smiley, smiley baby now. I think he's just noticed. He's so clever. <laughs> he's so young but so smart. I'm not a yeah. baby person, but like he just seems to be so. You know, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, it seems like in the punk rock community, I keep saying that word because it's like I'm trying to umbrella a bunch of things with that. Yeah. But like in the punk rock community, the, you know, I think mental health seems to be quite a big, seems to be a big theme in a lot of songs, and seems to be a big talking point, especially. Yeah, it seems to be very much at the minute. Um, I think it's worried me a little bit at times that it's that it there was a there was definitely a point where it became a buzzword and a buzz thing and it and it's just and people were almost throwing it into something in the, in the oddest way like I I've honestly been been out on tour so many times and seen people say either that have been supporting me or been above me on a bill and they've been chatting about I don't know getting drunk being hungover girls and whatever and kind of talking in this bravado like they've got not a care in the world and then suddenly they'll go yeah this song's about mental health and like the real struggles that I go through and you're like what you've just spent the last few minutes talking about candy floss and having a great time down at the beach and now you're like suddenly talking about mental health and it's like they'll say it and they'll suddenly come down with and it's, and it's got to be spoken off. with this monotonous tone so that they sound yeah. really deep I'm deep bro and like so many times I've been like no because you kind of you see that and you think no it's become a buzz thing but luckily it's pulled back in the last i'd say three or four months like the last part last few months i've seen the genuine article come through and like really people who have who have got you know because the thing is you know it doesn't matter how you how you cut it on any kind of level like the thing is everybody has got some element of a mental health struggle going on at some point you know unless unless you're young human. enough young enough to not necessarily be worrying about anything or lucky enough that you don't have all these worries because you've got someone else dealing with everything else for you but chances are not a lot of people fall into those brackets i mean you everybody is struggling with something and has struggled with something at some point i mean and it's whether it's really more a case of like whether you're you can be together right now with yourself, but you've had something at some point, and everybody, everybody has. And if you haven't, then you yeah. have. You have. So it's good that like artists, and musicians, 
are like focusing on those points but at the same time I wouldn't want it to become this trivialized article that's just like put in there to score some points really sorry I can't stop laughing because you've become the vampire (laughs) yeah that was scary he will turn into the vampire over the course of this especially if he realizes he can see himself Mm. um yeah no I uh I don't know like to there he goes <laughs> it becomes addedly more scary because he starts saying dad dad um, yeah I mean I seen, um, it seems there is a bit of a theme with mental health at the moment and the guest I'm, I'm having on the show and that is because it's kind of t- it ties in with the habits and mindsets project which should be going yeah. soon but for me I mean I've had some dark times where I've just felt alone terrible just like bad things have happened Christ, life mm-hmm. crises and the only thing I can sort of take any solace in is, you know, listening to some of my favourite bands, just trying to switch off and just yeah. deal with it later kind of thing. Um, and it's a powerful tool. And I just forget yeah. that when I, in the, you know, when I was younger, I think I first started having like anxiety, panic attacks and stuff when I was maybe like 18 or 19. Mm. Um, I don't know the statistics, but apparently it is like... Like anxiety and depression hits young men more so yeah. than the kind of it does, yeah. But no one talked to me about it, no one figured it out, and I literally was losing my mind. I was like, what's wrong with me? Am I dying? Like just you know, full on panic attacks. Yeah. Yeah. Um and then that's about so listening to music and listening to other people talking about that kind of stuff helped. And then obviously I've been in bands myself where I've uh, talked about stuff like that as well. So yeah. I definitely think that there's I don't know, it's, it's, it's a big part of music. Which is funny, because like, if we look at other areas of music, yeah. it seems to be about telling people how you're totally fine, you buying luxury items all the time. Yeah, the bravado. The, the real, the real kind of music. that sort of vibe. You know, I don't want to like, poop on the music, but like, there seems to be other... It, like, I like I all think it's... music, like hip-hop, yeah. everything. But I mean, but even I... punk rock, there seems to be more of an emphasis on... like. Yeah. I mean, there are some there are some dark elements of uh, of hip hop. There are some dark elements of loads of scenes. I mean, there's certainly some artists within those uh, genres who write some incredibly um, emotive, mental health based kind of music. You know, I mean, I've come across those in the past, like POS and Atmosphere, and like people mm. like that who are incredible for that kind of stuff. But um, but like, I think within the I think within the punk rock scene and within within hardcore especially, I think mostly. What I've noticed in the last few years is that, like, obviously you, you, you have, like, emo or whatever's called emo, right? Mm. But, like, years ago when you had, like, Deep Elm was really... was the rife label for all, like, the emo kind of stuff and where things were getting tagged with emo massively. But, like, those bands were very much typecast and they were, they were writing the sad records and, and it was all just very sad, sad, sad. Do you think sad, bands sad, sad. aim for, for EPs and stuff to get picked up by a label so they would literally well, aim... I don't know if those bands were necessarily writing sad songs just on that sort of level, but I think they were probably genuinely quite sad. Bands like Benton Falls and Appleseed Cast that were some of my favourites when I was younger. But like, and even Jimmy Eat World put on, um, put out early stuff on one of the emo diaries, you know? Mm. But like, uh, I don't think they were necessarily writing sad songs on that sort of level. But in a way, it was a different kind of writing to how things are now, because like, 
writing just a straight up sad song that is almost like a ballady sad song with a big story behind it and writing a song that's trying to target um, mental health and trying to target the positives and negatives and all this kind of stuff it, I think is slightly different and like you get um, now there are a lot more artists that are trying to write songs that are focusing on the, the fact that you know be having depression or having mental health issues or having anxiety doesn't necessarily uh, have to mean that you're you're sad all the time you know not everything yeah. is is sadness based it's more based around this anxiety level and it a lot more stuff is based around anxiety now so like you know i think most people have had anxiety at some point in their life maybe not as crippling as an ex as extreme as severe anxiety yeah but um <clears throat> so Talk about being a parent. Yeah. <laughs> like, I, uh, I'm, I don't have any children at the moment, but um, it's awesome to see, you know, like, we're all sort of getting older and stuff, and, like, more and more people I see uh, have kids, and it used to be when yeah. I was a kid, I used to think, oh, that's them, that's their life over, but more and more now, especially <laughs> since a lot more of my friends are having kids, you think, oh, that's awesome, and you kind of, like, yeah. it's, I don't know, it's, it's nice, it's cool. Like, I don't know... How does that sort of... To be honest, the... Be in doing everything that you do? Um, brighter began a little while after my daughter was born. Um, in, so, yeah, it was, you know, four, four months, five months after my daughter was born, brighter, brighter began. And um, it was very much, like, I, I don't know, I had everybody kind of coming at me with these opinions that, like, life would be life would be over are you just going to drop them on the floor you are um, I had I had a lot of people of that sort of opinion especially friends that were of that sort of opinion that you know life would be over in a way because you've had a kid I mean the way things were with my with my previous band and the reason why that band came to an end were mainly was mainly because there was that view that like life would be finished and would be so different and everything else and I actually kind of almost went the opposite way because I had this defiance in my head of like, no, I can juggle everything. And I don't know what it's like for... I, I imagine That's it's like I'm that for mostly every parent. I imagine it's like that for mostly every parent, to be honest, because if you've had all this busy stuff before and all these things that you've been doing before, like, you don't necessarily want to... Yeah, there's, there's obviously a part of you that you're going to realise you're going to be tired, but there's also that part of you that's like, no, I don't want me having a child to seem as a negative yeah. to everyone else. So you defiantly, like, you, you, you sleep less. Time, you you sleep less and you juggle everything. And, I mean, it's not a terrible time having a kid. I'm, it's, I'm, I'm, I'm it's, um, exaggerating, obviously, but... You... I sleep less, certainly. I have a lot more interrupted sleep. Like, me, me and my wife certainly sleep a hell of a lot less. In terms of managing a touring schedule, I tour a little bit less now, but I prioritise... I suppose I prioritise tours and I prioritise certain shows. Um, and I sometimes, it, it's very rare, but sometimes I have to cancel things because my family needs me to be at home or because my mental health is shot to pieces. Maybe I'm exhausted because of stuff. I mean, I think one of the major things with being a parent that you don't necessarily prepare for, and I think a lot of people don't necessarily prepare for, and they're trying to focus on it more now, is the mental strain because 
worried. People, be worried people will try it. to paint a picture a lot, of the, a lot of the time of, oh, everything's great and you've got this bundle of beautiful joy and what a miracle that life has brought you and whatever. But, like, it is absolutely incredible having a kid. It's incredible watching them grow. It's incredible watching them become little cool people that chat to you and about loads of cool stuff like I do with my slightly older daughter. Mm. Like, um, and it's amazing watching this one go from being this tiny little ball that He's would just fall asleep on me well he was just he was just this tiny little man that just used to stare and he would just fall asleep and that's if he was here now as a month old or two months old he would just fall asleep poop and eat and that would be it and that was, that was that's his thing <laughs> but now he wants to be in everything he wants to explore everything and that's really cool but one of the uh one of the things that kind of they never warn you for a lot of the time is how the sleep deprivation the um, just the average strain of like constantly feeling like you're not good enough as a parent, mm. that you're doing a bad job. You know, you'll get these these feelings and they'll overcome you and you'll just plummet into nothing. And I mean, a lot of the time I'm lucky because my wife is, is whenever I'm on a low, it seems like she's on a, she's strong. And whenever she's on a low, it feels like maybe I'm strong, so we can pull each other out of the hole. Mm. But of course, every now and again... They must be extra tough, like, yeah. doing it on their own, like. But of course, you know, every now and again, um, the roulette of the whole thing, I suppose, every now and again, we get a situation or a time when we're both exhausted, we're both on a low. Mm. And no one warns you about these times. To, like, rely on. I suppose, but then you don't... You feel like you don't want to call on necessarily I've already told else. them if I have kids I'm just like you can have yeah. as much as you want <laughs> but I mean it's quite common to like feel like you don't want to necessarily call on the help of others because you don't want to be seen as not being able to cope no but I think it's part and you need that yeah of course yeah. of course you do but you see the problem is when you're when you're in it and you're and you've got this 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 child and they're relying on you you feel then like passing the buck or whatever it's almost like you're Given up or like you know yeah it's almost like you're you're inadequate and and that feeling will fester if you don't kind of deal with it i mean i've i have tons of times like that i look after my son this little man uh monday to friday in the daytime while his mum's at work and we have really good days and we have some really horrible days and you know it's, good to address, it's one it's of not always fun. oh yeah and yeah. it's one of those things where what you you know what what is hard for people to understand sometimes is that like even on the bad days even on a day when i might be feeling completely rubbish or maybe i'm ill as well maybe my physical health is down um and then that obviously affects mood and everything else like on those days that i don't have a backup on those days you know it's just just me me and this man until I pick my daughter up from school and you have a lot of the time you have no one to bounce off and I find th this is what coming back around to like what we were saying earlier on like I've had loads of days where I'm like I feel like my brain I feel like my mind has hit a crashing point like a computer and I'm just like there and I'm looking at him and he's crying at me because he wants something and, and I've done every little thing that I could possibly imagine that he wants and like my brain just feels like it's crashing and I don't know how to cope in that moment and I just need to press reset or something. And the other, the other week I literally sat there and I was like, I put on some music, just put on some music. 
and I instantly felt better. I instantly pulled myself back from this mad place. And afterwards, I was like, why haven't I been listening to more music recently? Like, I've had this kind of thing of, you know, you tend to, you stick on the TV with whatever terrible children's TV show you can. I don't know, and man. Like, I was watching kids' TV the other day, and I got hooked. And I was into it for like an hour. You basically, like, you know, you, you stick on the TV. I find that I, I tend to put on various TV shows or switch it around with various Netflix stuff or whatever. And, um, and I do it to kind of, you know, distract this one. Um, but what I haven't been doing lately as much as I used to is listening to as much music as I used to. So when I stuck on some music the other day, I did it for myself and for my head at the time. And then I looked at this guy and his whole mood had shifted and he was there really calm and like bopping away in his chair. Well, because he picked up off the energy from me. And I was, you know, I was listening to Living With Lions at the time and he picked up off, I think, you know, more so than the fact he maybe liked the beat of the song, he picked up on the fact that I was calm and he was vibing off that and then we were just calm for like two hours, just chilling, calm. And he didn't need a distraction. It wasn't like with anything now, like where he needs a distraction. Everything, he was just sat there calmly, just chilling, listening to music, just like smiling. You are making this like effortless by the way, <laughs> multitasking. But it was like, you know, and it was really cool. And it reminded me of this kind of this wonderful thing of music, you know, like when I was younger, when I was a teenager and I was lost in my mind and then I kind of found the hardcore and the punk scene. I'd been into metal music before that. I'd been into grunge and all that jazz. And then I found the punk and the hardcore scene and the people within it. And I think the people within it now are still pretty much the same. But in terms of the people in it back then, there was this real community vibe. Everybody was really out for supporting each other no matter what and just supporting who people wanted to be as long as they weren't harming anyone. And mm. it was just like really cool and organic and great. And I remember discovering all these bands, you know, there were shouty bands, but the lyrics were like so on the money with like my emotions. And at the time, like discovering that music at a time when I really needed it pulled me back. And it made me realize like the other day sitting there with this one in this moment of ultimate kind of peak stress crisis level, mm. having exactly the same effect, you know? Like I've had it sitting there listening to sort of poppier, nicer, nicer kind of punky stuff, or sitting there and like listening to Defita or Bane or have, you know, have heart or something like that, you know? And his reaction is the same. He sees the positive and the calm and he's calmer and he's more positive. And I see the same thing with my daughter listening to like heavy music as well, like especially punk and hardcore. Mm. Cause like, yeah. Cause I know. think from an outsider's perspective, if they didn't know anything about music, they listen to it and they go, Oh God, this is, yeah. this is aggro in it. But it's, it's well, especially in hardcore, there's like a beauty in the, well, I'm not a particularly a hardcore fan, but yeah. in hardcore, there's like this raw emotion, this raw energy, but it's yeah. kind of like poetic in a way because it's like, yeah, it's like a it's like a sense of belonging and like like a peace. It's weird. I can't Precisely. describe it properly. I'm not really a hardcore fan, but like it seems to me, all this chaos, all this like madness, is almost peaceful because it's like everyone's together and that's precisely. They're on the same page well, it's there. a it's a catharsis as well. You can hear like, you can hear the passion coming out and the real raw emotion of it. I was it. talking to the guys in in my band who are nameless at the moment. We still got to figure out a name. But, okay. Um, uh, I was saying that um, to me, 
you know, like everyone's got their like little check boxes for what they like. Mm -hmm. Like, so I don't know. Someone might say a chorus has got to be catchy for me. I I gotta have a sing along chorus or yeah, I gotta yeah. But for me, any vocals, like my favorite vocals in bands, uh, I want when I listen to a song and I listen to a vocalist, I want to really, really believe what that guy is or woman is. And when I say guy, I mean man or woman. But like when I, yeah. whoever that is, I want them to. I want to really, really feel like they need me to understand what's happening. Like Certainly, that yeah. sense of urgency. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I think yeah. I get that in your music too. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Well, I've always because if you if you I get an impression of someone like phoning it in, do you know what I mean like yeah. if someone's just like if you listen to someone and you go, hmm, I don't really know if they mean what they're saying, then I'm not that into it. But if I listen to something and I'm like, whoa, this this person really wants me to believe what they're saying, then yeah. that ticks my box and I love it. Like some of my favorite bands like Bangers, like Caves, yeah, just like. I don't know. Just stuff that is is truly, um, you know, it. What's the word? Evo evocative. Mm. It's truly, you know, connects with people, and like, you believe what they're saying because it genuine. It's it is so genuine well, it's and it's organic, so true. Yeah. I mean, I've. I does think. He need, does he need more milk? Because I can go and grab some. No, I think I think yeah. he's just mucking around trying to grab for stuff at the minute. Yeah. But um, I think. Uh, massively like that's with with what i've tried to write like in the past when i was in past bands i was always i was stuck in this mindset of trying to write a lot of metaphorical stuff and i was everything was hidden behind metaphors and everything was mm. hidden behind these things and and like as much as that was cool and i could it's kind a of mask almost isn't it yeah it's like if, if someone goes was that you and you're embarrassed or you yeah you could be like no i was just being or like oh did you mean that and then you can always hide it because it's not obvious but um I had uh, I, I used to do that all the time, and then when I kind of looked looked at looked back on it now, I'm just like no, because I was obviously I was suffering a lot at that time, and I was just hiding everything behind these metaphors. Whereas um, whereas with brighter, I think I've always tried to write everything from a very blatant point of view, from a very obvious, straight up kind of point of view, um, and really sell a point that is real and genuine, because like. When I'm, you know, even if there are slightly kind of more creative sounding lines in the songs and the vocal lines, what everything's the, always fun. What's, what's my, one of my favourite songs? I'm terrible with track names because I'm dyslexic. But um, uh -huh. what is the, um, what's the song where it's like, we are, we are. Oh, what, we? Not the yeah. We <laughs> um, I wrote that song, to be honest with you, I've been a touring musician for a very long time and... Being away from family and loved ones and everybody is obviously it's inc it's incredibly difficult, but none more so than for the people that you leave behind. And like, I think when I was first starting to write stuff for Brighter, I was trying to realise this element of like of the fact that of, of all for all the cool things that had come about due to me being in music, I was thinking about all the other things like all the people that I've kind of forgotten about, all the friends that I've lost touch with, all the family that I've not really spoken to much because I've been touring so much and you know, I had a lot of time of just being away. And as much as it's really cool that I've like experienced all these things, sometimes people don't realize that side of, like that you don't mean to lose touch with them. And so they 
you lose you know, you completely lose that connection with people and you fall out with people based on based on nothing yeah. but by the same degree i think i was like looking at it and realizing well actually i've allowed relationships to break down because to some degree without meaning it in a negative way i've been very self-focused for so many years like I want to achieve so much with my music, so I'm going to do this. I'm going to go on tour. I'm going to focus and get away and do this. Nothing and been, wrong with that, there's nothing wrong with being self-focused, but I think with we, I was like trying to write it from a point of view of like I'm going to write a song about musicians and about being a musician and about having um, this weird life where you're away from people and you're very focused on something and you're focused on a dream but write it from a point of view because so many artists so many bands I've heard have written songs like that like this kind of we're going to leave town we're going to eat loads yeah. of pizza and go and meet our friends and there's kind of like this vibe of like it's a real positive thing but like, so it's I wanted to write really it about case, yeah. so I wanted to write about it in a positive slash negative sort of way but overall an honest way you've definitely pooed your nappy haven't you Sam um, I wanted to write about it in, in, in a positive and a negative but an honest way yeah. So with we, the whole, um, we are adept at speaking doubt, we are the vulnerable, um, we are the ever seekers behind, behind the miserable. It's like the miserable people are seemingly the people that are left behind at home and the ever seekers are obviously the musicians that are out there trying to do stuff. Um, and then the whole, we are so rarely lifted, no sleep till we are dead, that, that whole chorus line really is talking about people who constantly strive for something whether it's a musician an artist photographer filmmaker anything and you're pushing for everything so much that you forget maybe about the emotions of the people around you and you forget that their ultimate end goal isn't necessarily the same as yours and maybe their end goal is you know they want you to marry them or they um, want you to yeah, have kids no, or sure. they want you to focus on them a little bit more or the family they, they want you to care about them and, and you're just focused on this one thing and you can't necessarily see that and so I kind of wanted to write this thing of, you know, the, the end of that chorus is uh, we are the ones who always try to do our best. Because it's like, I was always trying to do my best for my family, for my kids, obviously, for my wife now. And like, I'm always trying to do my best. But there are many, many, many times when I've needed to just take a look, take a step back and just be like, yeah. do I need to do that tour? It's do I need to do because this? Because when it's so close to you and it's like a personal like dream slash goal of yours. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anything anything less than full throttle yeah. feels like you're giving up. Yeah, precisely. And like you're scared to even put the tiniest amount of I mean, on. Natalie, my, my wife has to deal with this a lot of the time. I mean, if I haven't played a show for a month, um... I get a bit stroppy. I'm a bit a bit antsy, and she'll say, it's "Oh, you know," she'll say, like, "She'll say, I know it's because you haven't played a show for a month." Like, and um, and I'll be like, "Yeah, you know, well, I haven't played a show for I don't know a month, two months, and I feel like everything's coming to an end. I'm done." And yet, the next month, I've got like an entire month of shows. But because of that bit where I haven't had shows, it feels like the end is nigh. Everything's you know done. Mm. And I think as well because of the way that like my, my mental state has been over the years as well, like very um, pessimistic at times. Like when I'm playing lots of shows, when I'm busy, when I'm touring, when I'm doing that, I'm so positive. Yeah. When I'm on tour, I'm the best version of me that exists because, like, well, when I was on, when I when I'm on tour, and probably when this little guy was first born, like all those early months, that was like the best version of me that that exists in the sense of like. Being driven, focused, 
and just like when I'm on tour I can wake up in the morning and I'm thinking about everything I'm going to do for the next few months I'm wow. thinking about getting home from tour I'm thinking about all the cool stuff I'm going to do with the kids I'm thinking about all the amazing things I could do about the house but then Perhaps when I'm actually because I've actually yeah. been on tour with you but can... when I'm actually at home I can have you know days where I wake up and I'm going through the routine with this guy and I've got a whole bunch of jobs I need to do as well but as soon as I manage to settle in for a nap all I want to do is just sit down and just stare at the wall or relax so for a it's, while it's not <laughs> just a Hollywood film thing because you know like all those Hollywood films like yeah. about having kids and stuff that's all they go on about and I was like oh it can't be that bad but I mean yeah. it's not bad but it's exhausting being a parent basically oh it's very exhausting but at the same time you always you always want to juggle all the bits and the days where I feel like I've done the best possible job is when I've gone through the whole routine of normal stuff with this guy. He's not been, you know, sad at any point. He's had his normal routine of napping, his normal routine of eating, he's done his normal routine of everything. And somehow I've managed to answer the emails I have to answer for Brighter, made a video or edited a video or done a session or done something else. And at the same time, I've done some things around the house. So I've done all the mundane, you know, the laundry and the mowing the lawn. And I'll get to the end of the day and I think, yes, I've aced parenting today. But then I'll have days when I just do all the stuff that keeps him happy and I do nothing else. Yeah. And I'll feel like I've done wrong yeah. and, I'm, and, I'm, and I'm useless and I haven't done enough. So don't be so hard on but yourself. But the thing is, I shouldn't be so hard yeah. on myself because the day, you know, the day that I deem to be I've done really well is actually crazy. Yeah. It's crazy yeah. juggling. Compared to like your life before. Compared you? to anybody's perception of a daily routine. Like yeah. when I talk to other like, friends of mine who don't have kids... Um, and I tell them all the different things I'm doing with, with juggling stuff throughout the day. They're like, what? Yeah. You know, I got up at 11 and I just like chilled and watched Netflix for a few hours. And then maybe I did something. And, it, and it's like, you know, what I'm deeming to be an average, what is a good day? And then what I'm deeming to be like a failure day. My kind of failure day, I've still managed to, you know, he's still been clean throughout the day. He's still been happy and, and fed. And again, I mean, I talk, I talk to Becky, my wife, about this kind of stuff because uh, we're, you know, hoping to have kids at some point. But yeah, I was just like, oh my god, it sounds horrible. <laughs> like, everyone's <laughs> doing so much work. But you know, like loads of my friends have got kids, and I try and make an effort. And like when I was a kid, we'd have like family friends turn up, and you do like things. Yeah. You know what I mean, um, so I don't know, like. Um, it's just cool being around and having a bit of well, having a bit of community and stuff. And then, like, from, from hanging out with my mates who've got kids yeah. and watching them grow up, you go, ah, it'd be kind of cool to have a little, a little human. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, well, I certainly like... I mean, I've seen loads of my friends over the last few years have had, um, have had children. And it's really cool seeing people you didn't necessarily expect to have children or, or didn't know how they were going to be with children. Mm. And then There's you see them with kids and it's just really cool. Mm. Well, yeah, I mean, it was probably came as a shock to most people when I was suddenly a dad, you know? But... Um, you seem to be acing it, though. Well... You seem to be. You are acing it. Why I do... I do the best job I can. Mm. And the, the thing is, it's like... It's the new... It's the new... Like, how do you feel about... Um, it used to be, you know, like, years and years and years ago, gender roles were very sort of locked down and it'd be like a woman who would stay at home. <laughs> yeah. But more and more, like, I know loads of stay-at-home dads. Yeah. I'd probably be well, a stay-at-home dad if we have kids. Yeah, I mean, cool. me, me and Natalie just figured it out in that way and it just, it makes the most sense right now to, to do it this way around. And, like, I'm... Um, I come up against it all the time. There's lots of weird stigma-type things. And 
Anthony probably gets sick of it with me sometimes because I'm like I'm always going about it like a like a constant so like, vigilante of the dads. Well, toddler groups and stuff. Like I've had friends who mm-hmm. say have dads, and they're like the minority at the toddlers groups and things yeah. like that. Like, and I, te- I tend to not I tend to avoid those sorts of groups to be honest. I tend to avoid going along to the groups. I think just because. Um, have a bit of that. I tend to avoid going along to a lot of those groups. I think just because I tell myself it's because I, I tell myself it's because, oh, you know, Tom Tom doesn't need that, or like we, you know, I do enough with him at home that we don't need to go along and have that. But I think a lot of it comes down to the fact overall that I don't necessarily want to be the minority because of how people have been in the past, and I think it, it, there's there's silly little things like. I, I'll have times if I take him into the into town in Newport or in, in Cardiff or whatever, and I'll, times when I take him into town, and you're like, I'll go because I need to change his nappy, and I'll go into like the the universal baby change as it's it should yeah. be, it is universal. Yeah. It's just a baby change sign on a door, and you no no no, and you walk in, and it's just a baby change, and you've got like a whole room, and there's lots of different bits. And you walk into that space, and the amount of times when there's been like it's been full of mums with their babies, and they look at you like you're up to no good, or you're, there's something wrong, or like yeah. what's going on. And it's weird, and it's really strange. Like, I, I, and I get, but I get my back up quite a bit, and I get annoyed by that. And Natalie, Natalie hears me kind of go on about that a lot, really, 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 like uh, constantly, constantly protesting against the fact that you've got this weird stuff. And and you know, when I've gone to places before, and the only baby change facilities are in the female toilets that's wrong so I would just knock and walk into the female toilets and say I'm really sorry but you know I need to change my son or I would change him if I have to I'll just pull out his little mat and change him on the floor in the men's mm. um, and the amount of people who just look at you like strange and it's like well the baby changing should be universal it should be this universal thing but that's it's wild. it's odd because we do have no I mean it happens across the board we have um, we have this changing world where a lot more dads are the stay-at-home. A lot more dads are the, are the say, the, the the carer throughout the majority of the hours in the week. Um, it works out, but you know, depending on whether yeah. you're self-employed or what type of job you do. You yeah, go or just a choice thing. Like some some men want to want to stay at home and look after their kids. I mean, me personally, when when Tom was born, I was working silly hours, silly hours, and then oh, we get into a role you do. I'm a mental health support worker, mostly. But when Tom was born, I was working so many hours. And I found that, you know, whether whether it was just me being paranoid or whatever, but I felt like we didn't have as much of a bond when I was at home. And it's that tricky balance, though, because you need to meet them. Yeah. And then it would be nice to spend time with the kids, so... But then it became very apparent um, that my wife, my wife wanted to get back into working into a routine because she wanted that again. She wanted a bit of structure. Um, being at home is quite tough when you're at home the whole day with a baby. I, yeah, I think. They, and so we we just decided to do a switch. And so she works now the majority in the lion's share, as it were. And I I still do work night shifts. Sometimes I do the crazy thing of literally being awake all through the day with this man, then going and doing a night shift, and then I'm awake the next day, but I nap when he naps, um, which is insane. But at the same time. I like the the challenge and the, the juggling of it, and to like see, you know, I yeah. like I like the sacrifice in a way, and and just sort of doing that because I'm doing it for my kids, but I'm also 
trying to keep my own head together with my own things, you know? I think there's a certain, it's like, it's like people go jogging because they want to keep their physical health in check. People eat vegetables because they want to keep their yeah, because they want to keep their physical health in check. So they eat veg or they drink more water or they stop smoking or whatever, mm. and they do it to keep their physical health in check. And there's stuff you have to do to keep your mental health in check, like exercise is one of them for me. Exercise is good for mental health, of course, as well. But like for me, it's like playing guitar and having time for music, mm. uh, writing if I can. Um, for me, it's also working is very important because the job that I do is is taxing and rewarding. it's straining but it's rewarding and like so I, I like having that bit of structure so that I feel like I'm doing some good and then that in itself is good for me and also obviously getting away on tour every now and again is, yeah. is good for my mental health I, as well I, I, so. I, heard, I was watching the podcast the other day actually I can't remember where it was but there was a um, uh, basically to do with our like endorphins and our reward system, the way that we like reward ourselves, yeah. like as human beings, if we if we do a bunch of tasks and complete them, we feel awesome and like yeah. And it's and I think that kind of everything yeah, you said works into that, right? But it's 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 kind of like on a chemical level. Because like, I yeah, because well, I mean, I I read a thing a few years ago to just to do with ba- basically dealing with kind of depression, almost like on a cognitive cognitive, you know, cognitive level. And it was saying about making short lists for yourself for every day yeah, that are achievable off. tasks. They have to be achievable tasks. So you can't put in there, you know, put on a list, you know, take over the world or whatever. You've got to have <laughs> achievable tasks on a daily basis. And even like the simplest things, like things like just putting down, you know, to uh, even putting down things like to to get up and get dressed and make your bed stuff like that you know all these simple achievable tasks Mm. like just doing that is beneficial and you find it's it is it is the case I mean I I used to hate making lists and it was something that my wife started getting me into making a list not just for the shopping but for things like you get cool little apps now that like yeah but I like but I like making a list now and I just constantly do it with everything I make a list of stuff that I need to get done over the week for my music and everything else and as I get through the list, I feel better and just everything feels better because I feel like I've, I've achieved something. And even if all the things on that list are so basic and simple, it could be as simple as putting down something like, like buy strings for tour. And just as you're doing like little simple things, you feel like you've achieved something. I think one of the toughest parts of being a parent slash musician slash husband slash everything else you know, one of the toughest things for all of that is um, feeling like you haven't devoted enough time to each of those things when actually you're devoting a hell of a lot of time to each just of doing, those things. Just doing all of those, keeping all of those plates spinning is just like a job in itself. Yeah. Um, Precisely. <gasps> Hello. So, you have to probably get going because you've got lots of dad things to do today. I'm gonna have to change this man's nappy. I think he's definitely definitely yeah. laid one down on air. Um, before you go, I was just gonna say, do you want to? Um, we got you got Europe Europe shows coming up. I do have some European shows coming up, and I have um, some American shows coming up. So I'm I'm basically I'm doing a bunch of headliners and bits and pieces in Europe. I'm going out to play with. Some good friends of mine, um, 
guy who goes under the name We Bless This Mess out in Portugal. We'll drop He's all got an album launch. Below, um, yeah, yeah. Do you have any dates that you can throw if people are... Uh, yeah, the 10th of October and the 11th of October I'll be in Porto in Portugal nice. with We Bless This Mess, which is going to be lots and lots and lots of fun. On the 12th, I'm going to be in Lyon at Craspec Music, music with my friend Mike Nograff, who... Um, He's awesome, brilliant, funky, pokey, I'm um, sorry, punky, folky musician. He's a great guy. And I'm also going to be playing with him in Milan the day after on the 13th of October. So lots of lots of flying, lots of do, moving around. Do you have a band called Smudges? The Smudges? Oh, yeah. Milan? Oh, nice, nice. They might, they might be around, I don't know. But. Uh, I do, I love Milan. It's a great place. But, um, so I'm going to be doing sort of a whistle-stop bunch of shows out in Europe uh, really it's kind of to get me a bit fresh in advance of fest really yeah, and then I fly to the States and I'm playing in Tampa and I'm going to be doing a few other bits between that and mm. fest as well a few house shows I was going to say there's one band that I've just literally got obsessed with that yeah. played fest I don't know if you know in western settings I've heard the name yeah. I haven't actually oh I'm just obsessed with them yeah I might give some money to pick some merch up nice nice yeah. Yeah, I mean, and then of course I play Fest for the second time, which is going to be really cool. I've got, I feel like I've got unfinished business with Fest. Yeah. The very first time I was there, um, when the very first time I played there, it was like half a year after me and Natalie got married. Um, we had. I remember you telling me. We were a bit, it. we were a bit stressed on the time when we were over there, and I think what ended up happening was a mixture of stress, our, our stress, and. Um, free beer yeah. kind of mixed together and I ended up in myself I feel like I bodged my set when I was over there but if you ask anybody that was there watching me they, they will tell you that it was job. great yeah. but um, me personally I felt like I've had unfinished business with Fest since the first time I was there and I can't wait to get back there and play play again um, this time around drink a hell of a lot less before I've actually played yeah. and, um, and really just try and enjoy the whole process I think I was just so I was like nervous but like yeah. stressed last time and it was and it really kind of came across bad well it's a big deal for me for personally to fest, you know? yeah I'm excited about it this time around though it feels the first time around I, I kept feeling like at any minute someone was going to be like pull pull the rug away and it was all a big fake like yeah, yeah. because it, the invitation to play kind of came out of the blue and I just I, I almost didn't I almost didn't believe it you know until I played it and even then I didn't fully believe it because mm -hmm. it had gone the way it had um for me but this time around it feels like I deserve to be there it feels like it's going to be like this really cool event I'm looking forward to seeing so many friends and so many people over there um so many so many good bands yeah. what's that oh so many good bands are playing and uh mm. it's just going to be this really nice environment so yeah fest yeah. and European shows coming up cool so um, yeah like good. um we will drop all those links so this is facebook live obviously this is going to go out on uh, youtube and everything like that in about a week or two yeah um i'm going to drop all the links in uh in the description for that youtube video and probably in this description for the facebook live video cool um so go and check them out brighter is, have you got a website yeah i've yeah I it's iambrighter.com i am brighter. So brighter brighter without the e between the t and the r yeah um yeah and uh and then I've, i'm on all the social media and all that jazz yeah cool so, right. yeah. Well, thank uh, you very much it's been cool like change your little monster yeah thanks guys <laughs> uh, yeah like follow and subscribe and all that jazz we should have some more guests coming up soon. you can say bye you can say bye you say bye bye, bye. you can do a wave this one bye bye
No. He's doing it. He's slightly moving his hand. <laughs> right, cool. Cool. Right, try guys, bye.